You know, sometimes we initiate the change in our lives, but more often than not, the change is initiated for us, and we have to respond. And then every now and again, we get hit by a curveball—the kind that really rocks the boat. And if it's big enough, it may even turn it over. Curveballs happen throughout our lives, of course, but in midlife, it can take on a Different tone, like a, a more significant meaning, because of the sense that we have less time than we had before. Like when we were younger, when we perceive ourselves to have had more energy, more time to maneuver. So, because curveballs pose a challenge to many of us, I wanted to talk a little bit about it on the podcast. What they are, how they look. And how we can navigate around and through them. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. My name is Lou Blazer, and you're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we explore how we can do and feel and be better in the second half of our lives. This podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues, a weekly resource for midlifers about intentional living and personal growth. Check it out and subscribe at midlifecues.com. That's midlife c u e s one word dot com. A couple episodes ago, I started to lay out a case that midlife is a call to action for change. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that episode in case you haven't heard it. And actually, I would also recommend that you listen to it because it lays the foundation uh, arguments for what I'm going to be talking about today. So in that episode, episode 195, I talked about why change in midlife is both inevitable and necessary. I also, hopefully. Made a uh, strong enough case that evaluating our life choices and choosing to make significant changes to our lives does not mean that we're having a midlife crisis. This is just a natural part of growing and living a life, and it doesn't help any if we refer to them as midlife crisis. And then in the last episode, episode one ninety six. Uh, link in the show notes again. I was joined by my guest Bernie Borges, and he and I talked about, or one of the things that we talked about is this view that our definition, our sense of fulfillment, changes over time, and something that might have felt fulfilling when we were younger may prove to be inadequate by the time that we get to midlife. And so, this again, this changing definition or a changing sense of what fulfillment feels like, poses yet again another cause for change in midlife. This renewed search for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment later in life. So, if you're kind of nodding along uh, at this point, convinced that you know midlife is indeed a call to action for change, I want to throw you a curveball. You know, it's one thing for us to initiate the change that we want. It's another story altogether when the change is happening to us. When it's gonna push down our throats, you know what I mean? When you get hit by a curveball, essentially. 
The funny thing is that curveballs, you know, unexpected changes, they don't just mean negative events. Although that's what we normally think about when we hear the phrase unexpected change, right? Or curveball, we think negative. But it could actually be positive. For example, you might get a unexpected opportunity. Say you get a new job that would require you to move to Paris, a new opportunity. Um, that's positive, isn't it? But it's a curveball nonetheless because you weren't expecting it. You weren't planning for it. You weren't dreaming about moving to France. Um, you weren't getting your French lessons on Rosetta Stone. So even if you were excited and happy about this unexpected break, you're still having to deal with the disruption that it's causing or will be causing in your life. You're still having to adapt to new things, having to live with all kinds of changes. It's still a curveball, even if it's a happy one. So if a happy curveball could feel like a disruption, you can just imagine what it feels like when you're hit by a negative curveball. And, you know, perhaps you don't even have to imagine it. Perhaps you've already experienced one. You know, one of my favorite books that I often <laughs> mention on the podcast was written by Bruce Filer. It's called uh, Life is in the Transitions. And in this book, Filer makes a well-researched case that we deal with all kinds of disruptions more often than we think. Filer actually uses the word disruptor, which he defines as an event or an experience that interrupts the everyday flow of life. A disruptor is a neutral event. It can be positive, it can be negative, it can be a problem or not. Some examples of disruptors that are perceived to be positive or even welcomed are, say, the birth of a child, getting married, uh, getting a promotion, you know, starting a new job. The main thing about these events are they're all disruptive to our ordinary flow, um, and often they result in some level of change in our lives. Filer's research shows that disruptors are a fact of life. In his book, he talks about, I don't know, about some 50-something kinds of disruptors that happen throughout our lifetime, and they happen in all decades of life. They are not unique to midlifers or to younger people or to older people. To quote Filer, they adhere to no biological clock, no social clock, and no artificial clock. His research also shows that disruptors happen more often than we think. So not only are there a lot of disruptors, but they're also happening more often than we think. The average person goes through one disruptor every 12 to 13 months. So Every year almost, imagine that. And then every now and again, the disruptor is big enough that it truly rocks our life. Every now and again, he says, we get hit by a blunter, more explosive force of change. These are events that can reshape our lives in ways that we cannot even imagine or couldn't have planned for. 
Some people call these events turning points. Some call them crossroads, crises, U-turns. Filer refers to them as life quakes in his book. Life quakes, he says, involve a fundamental shift in the meaning, purpose, or direction of a person's life. I like to call them monster curveballs. So these disruptors, these curveballs happen all the time, more often than we think, and some of them are monster in size and impact. How do we deal with them then? So just to kind of put what I'm about to say next in context, I feel like I've spent most of my life studying and learning how to deal with curveballs. My long corporate career was essentially about affecting change, many of which are about responding to curveballs within organizations and corporations. And since I left that world, I have transitioned to studying change in individual lives. On this podcast, for example, I've interviewed over 150, over 150 at this point, who have undergone some kind of change in their lives. And not to mention, I have personally dealt with my own transitions and my own transformations. Um, I've certainly <laughs> gotten a degree uh, from the School of Hard Knocks as well to complement my formal education. Now, all of these training and experiences and studying combined, they have helped me see that there are certain things that can help us navigate through a curveball situation. But then there are also things that can make it worse for us. And the reality is that sometimes we can make it difficult for ourselves. And so I just wanted to share three of those today. I'll, I'll do another podcast episode that's a little bit more involved talking about the actual things that we can do. But three things that can make it easier for us and three things that can make it worse for us. So number one, what helps thinking about the curveball as an adventure, what makes it worse, adding pressure on ourselves to know and to do the quote unquote right thing. I don't know, maybe this is just midlifers who react this way or let's just say experienced people, but there's some kind of a logic sequence that gets stripped off in our brains when we get hit by an unexpected thing. We think that because of our age or our past experiences, maybe our position or role in life, that we ought to know how to react, like that we ought to know what to do or how to be. But the thing is, it's called a curveball for a reason. If we knew exactly what we're supposed to do, <laughs> it won't be a curveball. It would just be same old, same old, right? So it's okay to say, oh, gee, I don't know what this means yet. It's okay to not know what the quote-unquote right next step is. I found that if we can somehow view or approach the curveball like we would an adventure, we would have a better experience overall. If you think about it, in an adventure, we're a little bit more open than our usual selves. We are open to not knowing what's going to happen next. 
We're open to new experiences, to new challenges. We tend to be more forgiving of ourselves and of others. We have a little bit more patience. We're more game to ask questions, stupid questions. We're, we're, we're more okay to like try things that we've not done before. And then you know, it, if it doesn't work out, we're more okay to shrug it off, right? We're less judgmental about ourselves when we are in an adventure, generally speaking. Putting the pressure on ourselves to do the right thing often means that we're acting only when we know what the right thing is, which often means that we're paralyzed there for a little while. And yes, you know, pausing, pausing is important, but you know, at your core, you know what it feels like, what a good intentional purposeful pause feels like versus the kind when you're stuck and paralyzed and not able to move forward. You know what that feels like, right? When you're pausing intentionally, purposefully versus you're paralyzed. And I know that the word adventure can maybe turn some people off. It feels too fun to flippant of a word to apply to a curveball situation that is grave or serious and the very opposite of fun. And I hear you. So I would say if you don't like the word, don't use the word. Don't use the word adventure, but instead focus on the frame of mind, focus on the behavior, the attitude, or the thought process that you might apply. Number two, what helps? Anchoring. What makes it worse? Tossing everything over. Now, when a major thing happens that impacts several areas of our lives, like that earlier example of the unexpected work opportunity to move to Paris, you know, when a big change like that happens where it impacts many areas of our lives, it's even more important to find the... uh, shall we say, oases of calm and stability that can remind us of who we are and keep us grounded with our sense of self. So as an example, a couple of years ago, I decided to split my time between the U.S. and the Philippines. And um, I did it for family reasons, but that's beside the point. I realized that this is a kind of move that would bring all kinds of change and cause all kinds of upheaval in my life. And I was excited about it, for sure. But along with that excitement of that adventure, I knew that I was also bound to experience times of awkwardness or feeling lost and confused. One thing that kept me sane throughout that period uh was that I kept up the production of midlife cues. It would have been easier, honestly, to pause it or to give myself a pass. Like It's a perfectly reasonable pass to be inconsistent with the production of the newsletter. But I knew that the weekly cadence, the weekly production of the newsletter of midlife cues would give me the daily and weekly structure that I would need during 
all the changes that are happening. It's funny because you might think, well, you know, that work, that structure is just an added stress, like it's an added imposition at a time when, you know, you're dealing with a lot of change. But the funny thing is that structure is exactly what we need when things are topsy-turvy and going crazy. Keeping up with that work, with that practice of weekly production, it was the practice that I needed to remind me of who I was, of what I enjoyed doing, where I wanted to go, uh, what I wanted to achieve. It helped me stay sane and centered throughout that period of massive change and adjustment. So when choosing an anchor, try and pick something that's more substantive and meaningful. By this, I mean, don't pick something, don't anchor on purely leisurely or mind-numbing activities. Pick something that will provide you with some nourishment, either mentally, physically, or emotionally. And number three, what helps talking about it, what makes it worse, hiding and keeping things to yourself. Okay, real talk here. Sometimes we feel somewhat embarrassed by the curveball. Either we feel embarrassed that the curveball happened to us or that we're not better equipped to handle the curveball. So what do we do? We keep it to ourselves. We hide in our cave of shame and not talk about it or pretend that nothing's the matter. All is good. All is well. I am very much for positive thinking, and I firmly believe that more can be gained as a general statement if we stay positive. But what I've learned also is that staying positive requires talking about the issue or the problem, not denying it or hiding it. Not only will talking about it give us access to other people's ideas, which can be very helpful. For me, the benefit of talking about it is the very act of talking about it. Because in talking about what's happening, we are, in effect, clarifying our thoughts. We are hearing ourselves sort out what's going on in our head, sort out our feelings, sort out our ideas, putting words to the stuff that is running amok inside our heads can be incredibly helpful in figuring out our next steps. Of course, I don't mean talk to anybody who would listen. That's a recipe for disaster for sure. You're going to want to talk to someone or to people where there is an environment of trust. Brene Brown often says that her list of people who she can talk to during those times can fit in a small one-by-one post-it paper. Like not the like the large yellow one, but the like the really tiny <laughs> square one. She says, you know, the names would fit that really tiny square one. So there's not a lot of people is in effect that she could talk to or she'd be comfortable enough to talk to when she wants to be in a conversation that requires trust. So first, choose who you will talk to. Second, value not just the counsel or the ideas that you're going to get from the person, Value your own act of talking. Value the process that you're going to go through in order to articulate and tell your story. Often that's 
even more important than what you're going to receive. And then third, if nothing else, if you cannot think of anyone else to talk to, then talk to your journal, write it all down, process it within the pages of your journal and try to access that wisdom that you have, that we all have within. Navigating curveballs is a skill that many of us were not directly taught, sadly enough. And I do feel actually that this is something we should be teaching or training the younger folks more explicitly. But at the very least, hopefully your own experiences in life, if you go back to you know the things that you've been through, that they would somehow help you navigate through future curveball situations think back and reflect on which actions helped you versus which actions made it worse for you. And hopefully the three suggestions that I have in this episode would help as well. Now, if you are currently dealing with a curveball situation and could use some help thinking through it, maybe thinking through options, planning for a course of action, brainstorming, that kind of stuff, I may be able to help you. I have recently set myself up to be able to accept private one-on-one consultation work to help midlifers undergoing change and uncertainty. Now, these are one-time consultations, not long-term arrangements. You know, there's no package or anything like that. We can get on a 30-minute call or a 90-minute call and just get through the questions that you have and sometimes that's what we need right sometimes we don't need a coach we don't need a therapist we just need some good old-fashioned straight to the point pick your brain type of conversation so if this sounds like the kind of help you need right now head on over to midlifecues.com forward slash consult you can find out a little bit more about how this works and my areas of expertise where i could be of help And so again, midlifeviews.com forward slash consult and book the call. All right, that's all I have for you today. I'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode. Actually, I think I have a curveball story to share with you. Not not my own, but I have a guest with a very interesting curveball story to share with you. Uh, Until then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.